Lewis Bailey, The Practice of Piety from 1611, a Puritan devotional manual, uh, went through a hundred editions. And I think we're five or six, we're up there quite a ways, but we're continuing from last week. The fifth hindrance of piety, five, evil company, commonly termed good fellows, but indeed the devil's chief instruments to hinder a wretched sinner from, uh, to hinder a wretched sinner from repentance and piety. <clears throat> the first sign of God's favor to a sinner is to give him grace to forsake evil companions. Such who willful continually in sin condemn the means of their calling, giving it sincerity of profession in theirs and shaming the Christian religion by their own profane lives. These sit in the seat of scorners, Psalm 1-1, for as soon as God admits a sinner to be one of his people, he bids them come out of Babylon, uh, Revelation 18-4. Every lewd company is a Babylon, out of which let every child of God either keep himself or if he be in, Think that he hears his father's voice sounding in his ears, Come out of Babylon, my child! As soon as Christ looked in mercy upon Peter, he went out of the company that was in the high priest hall and wept bitterly for his offense. Luke twenty-two sixty-two. David, vowing upon recovery a little life, said, Away from me, all you workers of iniquity, etc. Psalm 6, 8. As if it were impossible to become a new man till he had forsaken off all old evil companions. The truest proof of a man's religion is equally in his is the quality of his companions. Profane companions are the chief enemies of piety and quellers of holy emotions. Many a time is poor Christ, uh, many a time is poor Christ offered to be a newborn in thee, thrust into the stable. Luke 2 7. When these lewd companions by their drinking, plays, and jest make up all the best rooms take up all the best rooms of the inn and the heart. O let not the company of evil sinners hinder thee from the society of heavenly saints and angels. The six hindrance of piety, number six, a conceited fear, lest the practice of piety should make a man, especially a young one, to wax too sad and pensive. Whereas indeed none can better joy nor have more cause to rejoice than pious and religious Christians. For as soon as they are justified by faith, they have peace with God, Romans 5.2, in which there can be no greater joy. Besides, they, have, they are, have already the kingdom of grace descended into their hearts as an assurance that in God's good time they shall ascend into his kingdom of glory. This kingdom of grace consists in three things. First, righteousness, Romans fifteen seventeen. <clears throat> For having Christ's righteousness to justify them before God, they endeavor to live righteously before men. Secondly, peace. For the peace of conscience inseparably follows a righteous conversation. Thirdly, the joy of the Holy Spirit, which joy is only felt in the peace of a good conscience and is so great that it passeth all understanding, Philippians 4, 7. No tongue can express it, no heart can receive it, conceive it but only he that feels it. This is that fullness of joy which Christ promised his disciples in the midst of their troubles, a joy that no man could take from them. John 16, 22. The feeling of this joy, David, upon his repentance, begged so earnestly at the hand of God, Restore me to the joy of thy salvation. Psalm uh, 51, 12. And if the angels in heaven rejoice so much at the conversion of a sinner, the joy of a sinner converted must needs be exceedingly great in his own heart. Luke 15, 7 and 10. It is worldly sorrow that, so, that snows so timely upon men's heads and fills the furrows of their hearts with the sorrows of death. 2 Corinthians seven ten. <clears throat> the godly sorrow of the godly, when God thinks it meet to try them, causeth in them repentance, not to be repented of, for it doth but further their salvation. In all such tribulations, they shall be sure to have the Holy Spirit to be their comforter. John 14, 16, and 17, who will make our, our consolations to abound through Christ as the sufferings of Christ shall abound in us. 
2 Corinthians 1.5. But whilst a man lives in impiety, he hath no peace, says Isaiah. Isaiah 57.21. His laughter is but madness, says Solomon, Ecclesiastes 2.9. His riches are but clay, said Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2.6. Nay, the apostle esteems them no better than dung in comparison to the pious man's treasure. Philippians 3.8, Luke 6.25. All his joy shall end in woe, says Christ. Let not therefore this false fear hinder that thee from the practice of piety. Better it is to go sickly with Lazarus to heaven than full of mirth and pleasure with a rich man in hell. Better is to mourn for a time with men than to be tormented forever with devils. The seventh hindrance of piety, number seven, Roman numeral seven. <coughs> and lastly, the hope of a long life. For it possibly possible that a wicked li liver thought this year to be his last year, this month is last month, this week is last week, but that he would change and amend his wicked life? No, verily. He would use the best means to repent and to become a new man. But as the rich man of the gospel promised himself many years to live in ease, mirth, and fullness, Luke twelve nineteen to 20, when he had not one night to live any longer, so wicked, so many wicked Epicures falsely promise themselves the age of many years when the thread of their life is almost drawn out to an end. So Jeremiah ascribes the cause of the Jews' sins and calamities to this, that she remembered not her last end. Lamentations 1.9 The longest space between a man's coming by the womb and going by the grave is but short. For men that is born of a woman hath but a short time to live. Job 14.1 He has but a few days, and those full of nothing but troubles. And except the practice of piety... How much better is the say of the child that yesterday was baptized and today is buried than Methuselah's who lived 969 years, then he died. Of the two happier the babe, because he hath less sin and fewer sorrows. But what now remains of both but a bare remembrance? What trust should a man repose in long life, seeing the whole life as man is nothing but a lingering death, so that as the apostle protests, a man dieth daily? Hearken thine ear, O secure fellow. Thy life is but a puff of breath in thy nostrils. Trust not to it, Isaiah 2.22. The soul dwells in the house of clay. That will fall ere be long, as may appear in the dimness of thine eyes, the deafness in thine ears, the wrinkles in thy cheeks, the rottenness of thy teeth, the weakness in thy sinews, the trembling of thy hands, the calendar in thy bones, the shortness of thy sleep, and every gray hair, as so many summoners bid thee prepare for thy long home. Come! Let us in the meantime walk to thy father's coffin. Break open the lid. See here. See how thy corruption is thy father. And the worm thy mother and sister. Job 17, 14. See, seest thou how these are? So much they be ere long. Fool! Thou knowest not how soon. Thy hourglass runneth apace and in all places. Death in the meantime waiteth for thee. The whole life of man, save what is spent in God's service, is but foolery. For a man lives forty years before he knows himself to be a fool, and by that time he sees his folly, his life is finished. Hark, husbandman, before thou seest many more crops of harvest, thyself shall be ripe, and death will cut thee down with his sickle. Hark, tradesman, ere many six months go over, and the last month shall come on, after which thou shalt trade, trace away, and trade no more. Hark, most grave judge, within a few terms. The term of thy life approacheth, when thou shalt cease to judge others, and go thyself to be judged. Hark, O man of God, that goest to the pulpit, preach thy sermon as if it were thy last, that thou shouldest make it to thy people. Hark, nobleman, lay aside the high conceit of thy honor, death ere be long, 
and will lay thy honor in the dust, and make thee as bare base as the earth that thou treadest under thy feet. Hark thou, that now readeth this book, assure thyself, ere it be long, and there will be two holes where thy two eyes are placed, and others shall read the truth of the lesson upon thy bare skull, which thou shalt readest in this little book. How soon I know not, but this I am sure of, that thy time is appointed, thy mouths, thy months are determined, thy days are numbered, and the very last hour is limited. Job 14, 5 and 14. Psalm ninety twelve, Daniel five twenty six and eleven eight, beyond that which shall not thou shalt not pass. For then the firstborn of death, mounted on his pale horse, Revelation six eight, shall slide at thy door, and notwithstanding all thy wealth, thy honor, and the tears of thy dearest friends, will carry thee away, bound hand and foot, as his prisoner, and keep thy body under a load of earth until that day wherein thou shalt be brought forth to receive according to the things which thou hast done in the body, whether it be good or evil. 2 Corinthians 5.10 Oh, let not then the false hope of an uncertain life long hinder thee from becoming a present practicer of religious piety. God offers grace today, but who promiseth tomorrow? <coughs> Hebrews 3.7-13 They are now in hell many young men who had purposed to repent in their old age, but death cut them off in their impenitency. Or ever they could attain to the time when they set for their repentance. The longer a man run runs in a disease, the harder it is to be cured. For the custom of sin breeds hardness of heart, and the impediments which hinder thee from repenting now will hinder thee more when thou art more aged. A wise man, being to go to a far and foul journey, will not lay the heaviest burden upon the weakest horse. And what will conscience canst thou lay the great load of repentance on thy feeble and tired old age? Whereas now on thy chiefest strength thou canst not lift it, but are ready to stagger under it. It is wisdom for him that is to sail a long and dangerous voyage to lie playing and sleeping while the wind serveth and the sea is calm. The ship sound, the pilot well, the mariner strong, and then set forth when the winds are contrary, the wind tempestuous, the sea raging, the ship rotten, the pilot sick and the sailors languishing. Therefore, O sinful soul, begin now thy conversion to God, whilst life, health, strength, and youth last. Ecclesiastes 12.1 Before thy ears draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. God ever required in his service the firstborn and the first fruits, and those to be offered to himself without delay. Exodus 13.2 and 22.29 So just Abel offered to God his first links and fattest lambs. Genesis 4.4 4. And good reason that the best Lord should be first and best served. All God's servants should therefore remember to serve their Creator in the days of their youth, Ecclesiastes 12.12, 12. and early in the morning, like Abraham, to sacrifice unto God the young Isaac of their age, Genesis 22.3. You shall not see my face, says Joseph to his brethren, except you bring your brother with you, Genesis. <clears throat> and how shalt thou look in the face of Jesus if thou givest thy younger years to the devil, and bringeth him nothing but blind, lame, and decrepit old age? Offer it unto thy prince, says Malachi. Malachi 1.8. If he will not accept such a one to serve him, how shall the prince of princes admit such a one to be his servant? If the king of Babel would have young men well favored, and such as have the ability in them to stand in his palace, shall the king of heaven have none to stand in his courts with the blind and lame, such as the soul, the soul that David hateth? Daniel 1.4, 2 Samuel 5.8. Thinkest thou, when thou shalt serve Satan with thy prime years to satisfy God with thy dotage? Take heed, lest God turn thee over to thy old master again. And as soon as 
and as soon hast all the days of thy youth done his work, so he may be in the end pay thee thy wages. Is thy time fit to undertake by the serious exercises of repentance, which is the work of works, to turn thy sinful soul to God, when thou art not able with all thy strength to turn thy weary bones on a soft bed? If thou findest it so hard a matter now, thou shalt find it harder then. For thy sin shall wax stronger, thy strength will grow weaker, thy conscience will clog thee. Pain will distract thee, and the fear of death will amaze thee, and the visitations of friends will so disturb thee, that if thou be <coughs> not furnished aforehand with a store of faith, patience, and consolation, thou shalt not be able to meditate thyself, or to hear the word of comfort from others, not to pray alone, nor to join with others who pray for thee. It may be thou shalt be taken with a dumb palsy, or such a deadly senselessness that thou shalt neither remember God nor think upon thine own state. And dost thou well deserve that God should forget to save thee in thy death, who art so unmindful to serve thee in his life, in thy life? The fear of death will drive many at that time to cry, Lord, Lord! But Christ protesteth that he will not then know them for his. Matthew 7.22 Yea, many will say like Esau, with tears to repent, and yet will find no place for repentance. Hebrews 12.17 For man hath not free will to repent when he will, but when God will give him grace. And if mercy showed himself so inexorable that he would not open her gates so tender suitors as virgins to so earnest suitors as knockers, because they knock too late. Matthew twenty five eleven. How thinkest thou that she will ever suffer thee to penter into her gates, being so impure, a wretch, that never thinkest to leave sin till sin first leaveth thee, and didst never yet knock with thine own fist upon the breast of a penitent, a penitent heart? And justly does grace deny to open the gates of heaven, when thou knockest in thine adversity, who in thy propensity, prosperity, wouldst not suffer Christ while he knocked to enter into the door of thy heart. Revelation 3.20 Trust not late repentance or long life. Not late repentance because it is so much to be feared, lest the repentance which the fear of death enforces dies with a man dying, and the hypocrite who deceived others in his life may deceive himself in his death. God accepteth nothing but free will offerings, and the repentance that pleaseth him must be voluntary and not of constraint. Not long life, for old age will fall upon the rock of youth, and it's nothing is more sure than death, so nothing is more uncertain than the time of dying. Yea, often, when ripeness of sin is hastened by outrageousness of sinning, God suddenly cutteth off such vicious livers, either with a sword, intemperateness, luxury, surfeit, or some other fearful manner of sickness. Mayest thou not see that it is the evil spirit that persuades thee to defer thy repentance till old age, when experience tells thee that not one of the thousand that takes thy course ever attains to it? Let God's Holy Spirit move thee, not to give thyself any longer to eat and drink with the drunken, lest thy master send death for thee in a day when thou lookest not for him, or in an hour when thou art not aware of. So and suddenly cut thee off, and appoint thee thy portion with the hypocrites, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 27, 49, 15, 51. But if thou lovest long life, fear God, and long, long for life everlasting. Deuteronomy 30, uh, 16, Proverbs 3, 2, Psalm 34, 11, etc. The long life here, when it comes to the period, will appear to have been but a tale that is told, a vanishing vapor, a fitting shadow, a seeming dream, a glorious flower, growing and flourishing in the morning, but in the evening cut down and withered. Or like a weaver's sh shuttle, which by the winding here and there, swiftly, unwindeth itself to the end. Isaiah thirty-eight twelve. It is but a moment, said Peter. Second Corinthians, Saint, it is but a moment, says Paul. 
2 Corinthians 4.17. Oh, then the madness of men, that for a moment the sinful pleasure will hazard the life, the loss of eternal weight of glory. Hebrews 10.25, 2 Corinthians 14.17. These are the chief seven chief hinders of piety, which must be cast out like Mary Magdalene's seven devils. Wherever thou canst become a true practicer, practicer of piety, or have any sound hope to enjoy, either favor from Christ by grace, or fellowship with him in glory. Mark 69, Luke, Luke 8, 2. The conclusion. To conclude all, forasmuch as thou seest, that without Christ thou art but a slave of sin, death's vassal and meat of worms, whose thoughts are vain, whose deeds are vile, whose pleasures have scarce beginnings, whose misery shall never end, shall know no end. What wise man would incur these hellish torments, though he might, by living in sin, purchase to himself for a time the empire of Augustus, or the riches of Crucius, or the pleasures of Solomon, the policy of Arctifel, the voluptuous fair and fine apparel of the rich man? For what should it avail a man, as our Savior says, to win the whole world for a time, and then to lose his soul in hell forever? And seeing that likewise thou seest how great is thy happiness in Christ, and how vain are the hindrances that deter thee from it. Beware, as the apostle exhorts, of the deceitfulness of sin, Hebrews 3.13, for that sin which seem, seems now to be so pleasing to thy corrupt nature will one day prove the bitterest enemy to thy distressed soul, and in the meantime harden, unawares, thine impenitent heart. Sin, as a serpent, seems beautiful to the eye, but take heed of the sting behind, whose venomous effects, if thou knewest, thou wouldest as carefully fly from sin as from a serpent. For, number one, sin never did any man any good. And the more sin a man has committed, the more odious he has made himself to God, and the more hateful to all good men. Two, <coughs> sin brought upon thee all the evil, crosses, losses, disgraces, and sicknesses that ever befell thee. Fools, says David, by reason of their transgressions, because of their iniquities are afflicted. Psalm 107, 17. Jeremiah in the lamenting manner asked, asked the question, Wherefore is the living man sorrowful? Lamentations 3.20. The Holy Spirit answered him, Man suffereth for his sin. And hereupon the prophet takes up that doleful outcry against sin as the cause of their miseries. Woe now unto us that, we ev that ever we have sinned. Lamentations 5.16. 3. If thou dost not speedily repent of thy sins, they will bring upon thee far greater plagues, losses, crosses, shames, and judgments than hitherto ever befell thee. Read Leviticus 26, 18 and following, Deuteronomy 28, 15 and following. 4. And lastly, if thou wilt not cast off thy sin, God, when the measure of thy iniquity is a full, will cast thee off for thy sin. Genesis 15, 6. For as he is just... So he has power to kill and cast into hell all hardened and impenitent sinners. If therefore thou wilt avoid the cursed effects of sin in this life and the eternal wrath due to it in the world to come, and be assured that thou art not one of those who are given over uh, to a reprobate sense, let then, O sinner, my counsel be acceptable unto thee. Break off thy sins by righteousness and thy iniquities by showing mercy towards the poor. Oh, let there at length be a healing of thine error. Daniel 4.27 Nathan used but one parable, and David was converted, Samuel 12.13. Jonas preached but one to Nineveh, and the whole city repented, Jonas 3.5, etc. Christ looked once, but once upon Peter, and he went out and wept bitterly, 
Luke 22.62. And now that thou art oft and so lovingly entreated, not by a prophet, by Christ the Lord of prophets, yea, that God himself, by his ambassadors, praise thee to be reconciled to him. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Leave off thine adultery with David. Repent of thy sins like a true Ninevite. And whilst Christ looketh in mercy upon thee, leave thy wicked companions, and weep bitterly for thy offenses. Content not thyself with that formal religion which unregenerate men have framed to themselves, instead of sincere devotion. For in the multitude of opinions most men have almost lost the practice of true religion. Think not that thou art a Christian good enough, because thou dost as the most art not so bad as the worst. No man is so wicked that he is addicted to all kinds of vices, for there is an antipathy between some vices. But remember that Christ says, Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.20 Consider with thyself how far thou comest short of the Pharisees, in fasting, praying, frequenting the church, and giving of alms. Think with thyself how many pagans who never knew baptism, yet moral virtues and honesty of life, do go far beyond thee. Where is then the life of Christ thy master? And how far art thou from becoming a true Christian? If thou dost willingly yield to live in any one gross sin, thou canst not have a regenerate soul, though thou reformest thyself like Herod from many other vices. A true Christian must have respect to walk in the truth of the heart, in all commandments of God alike. Mark 6.20 4, says James, he that shall offend in one point of the law willfully is guilty of all. James 2.10 and Peter bids us lay aside not some, but all malice, guile, and hypocrisy, etc. 1 Peter 2.1 Once it is enough to damn a man's soul without repentance. Dream not to go to heaven by any nearer or easier way than Christ hath trained us into his word. The way to heaven is not easy or common, but straight and narrow. Matthew 7.14 Yea, so narrow that Christ protests that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 19.23 And that those who enter are but few. Matthew 7.14 And 22.14 and that those few cannot get in by, but by striving, Luke 13, 24, and that some of those who strive to enter in shall not abide. This, this all guides saints, whilst they lived here, knew well, when with so many fasting, so fervent prayer, so frequent hearing of the word, the receiving of sacraments, and with such abundance of tears, they devote, devotedly begged at the hands of God for Christ's sake to be received into his kingdom. If wilt thou not believe this truth, I assure thee, that the devil, who persuades thee now that it is easy to attain heaven, will tell thee hereafter that it is the hardest business in the world. If thou art desirous to purchase sound assurance of salvation to thy soul, and to get the right and safe way to heaven, get forwith like the wise virgin, Matthew 25, 1, the oil of piety and the lamp of thy conversation, that thou mayest be in a continued readiness to meet the bridegroom, whether he cometh by death or by judgment, which that thou mayest the better do, let this be thy daily practice. Let me come to a new topic. How a private man must begin the morning with piety. As soon as ever thou wakest in the morning, keep the door of thy heart fast shut, so that no earthly thought may enter in before God comes in first, and let him, before all others, have the first place there. So all evil thoughts either will not dare to come in, or shall the easier be kept out, that the heart will be more savor of piety and goodness all the day after? But if thy heart be not, as if thy first waking filled with some meditations of God and his word, and dressed like the lamp in the tabernacle, Exodus 27, 20, and 21, every morning and evening, 
with the olive oil of God's word and perfumed with the sweet incense of prayer, Exodus 30, 6 and 7, Satan will attempt to fill it with worldly cares and fleshly desires, so that it will grow unfit for the service of God all the day. After sending forth nothing but the stench of corrupt and lying words and a rash and of rash and blasphemous thoughts. <clears throat> Begin therefore every day with God's word and prayer, and offer up to God upon the altar of contrite heart the groans of thy spirit and the calves of thy lips, as thy morning sacrifice and the first fruits of the day. Psalm hundred one seventeen, Romans eight twenty two, Hosea thirteen two, Psalm uh, one hundred and thirty six, and as soon as thou wakest, say to him thus My soul waiteth on thee, O Lord, more than the morning watch. Watch us in the morning. O God, therefore, be merciful to me, and bless me, and cause thy face to shine upon me. Fill me with thy mercy this morning, so I shall rejoice and be glad all my days. Meditations for the morning, number one. Almighty God can in the resurrection so as easily raise up the body out of the grave from the sleep of death as he hath this morning waketh thee up in thy bed out of the nature's sleep of nature. At the dawning of which resurrection day Christ shall come forth to be glorified of his saints, and every one of the bodies of thousands of his saints, being fashioned like unto his glorious body, shall shine as bright as the sun. Second Thessalonians one ten, Jude verse fourteen, Philippians three twenty one, Luke nine thirty one. All the angels shining likewise in their glory in the body of Christ surpassing them in all splendor and glory, and the Godhead excelling it. If the rising of one sun make the morning sky so glorious, what a bright, shining, and glorious morning will it be when so many thousands of bodies, far brighter than the sun, shall appear and accompany Christ as his glorious train coming to keep his general session of the righteous and to judge the wicked angels and all ungodly men. Acts 17, uh, 31, 1 Corinthians 6, 3, Jude, verse 15. And let not any transitory profit, pleasure, or vainglory of this day cause thee to lose thy part and portion term the resurrection of the just. Luke 14, 14. Beasts have bodily eyes to see the ordinary light of the day, but endeavor thou with the eyes of faith to foresee the glorious light of that day. Number two. Thou knowest not how near the evil spirit which night and day, like a roaring lion, walketh about seeking to devour thee. 1 Peter 5, 8, Job 1, 7. Was to thee while thou was asleep and not able to hide thyself. And thou knowest not what mischief he would have done to thee, had not God hedged thee and thine with thy everlasting providence, and guarded thee with his holy and blessed angels. Job 1.10, Psalm 121.4, uh, 34.7, Genesis 32.1 and 2, 2 Kings 6.16. 3. If thou hearest the cock crow, remember Peter, to imitate him. Luke 22.61 and 62. And call to mind that cock crowing sound of the last trumpet, which shall waken thee from the dead, and consider in what case thou wert, if it sounded now, and becoming such as thou wouldest then wish to be, lest that that now they shouldest wish that thou hadst never seen this. Yea, curse the day of thy natural birth, for want of being newborn by spiritual grace. Jeremiah 20.14, Job 3.1, Titus 3.5 When the cock crows, the thief despairs of his hope, and gives over his night's enterprise. The devil ceases to tempt, or, any further, or attempt any further, when he hears the devout soul awakening, herself with morning prayer. Number four. Remember that Almighty God is, a, is about thy bed and sees thy lying down and thy uprising. Understandeth thy thoughts and is acquainted with all thy ways. Remember likewise that his holy angels who guarded and watched over thee all night do also behold thou now as thou wakest and risest. Genesis 31.55 and 32.1 and 2. 
Do all things, therefore, as in the awful presence of God and in the sight of his holy angels. Acts 12, 13, Psalm 91, 5 and 11. Number five. As thou art putting on thine apparel, remember that thou were first given as they were first given as coverings of shame, being the effects of sin, and that they were are made but of the offals of dead beasts. Therefore, when thou respect the stuff, or the first institution, thou hast so little cause to be proud of them. When thou great cause to be humbled at the sight and, and wearing of them, seeing the richest apparel are but the fine coverings of shame. Meditate rather, that as thine apparel serves to cover thy shame, and defense thy body from cold, so thou shouldest be so careful to cover thy soul with a wedding garment, which is the righteousness of Christ. Because apprehended by our faith, called the righteousness of the saints. Matthew twenty-two eleven, Romans thirteen fourteen, First Corinthians one thirty, Philippians three nine, Revelation nineteen eight, Ephesians four twenty-four. Lest while we are richly appareled in the sight of men, we be not found to walk naked, so that our filthiness be seen in the sight of God. Revelation sixteen fifteen. But that with his righteousness, as with a robe, we may cover ourselves from perpetual shame and shield our souls from that fiery coal that will procure eternal weeping and gnashing of teeth, Matthew 22:13. And with all consider how blessed a people were our nation. If every silken suit did cover a sanctified soul, and yet a man would think that on whom God bestoweth most of these outward blessings, of them he would receive the greatest inward thanks. Luke twelve forty eight, But if it proves otherwise, their reckoning will prove the heavier in the day of their accounts. 6. Consider how God's mercy is renewed unto thee every morning, and giving thee, as it were, a new life. Lamentations three twenty three, Psalm 19, 5. And in causing the sun, after his incessant race, to rise again to give thee light. Let not, then, this glorious light burn in vain, but prevent, rather, as often as I canst, the sun rising to give God thanks. Luke. 1248, and kneeling down at thy bedside, salute him at the day spring with some devout anti-lucanum or morning siloquy, containing a humble confession of thy sins, seeking the pardon of thy faults, a thanksgiving for all his benefits, and a craving for his gracious protection to his church, thyself, and all that belong to thee. Brief directions how to read the Holy Scriptures once every year over with ease, profit, and reverence. But for as much that as faith is the soul to reading and meditating on the word of God are the parents of prayer, therefore thou prayest in the morning, first read a chapter in the word of God, then meditate a while with thyself. How many excellent things thou canst remember out of it. As first, what good counsels or exhortations to good works into a holy life? Secondly, what threatenings of judgments against such in such a sin? And what fearful examples of God's punishment or vengeance upon such and such sinners? Thirdly, what blessings God promises to patient Charity, mercy, alms deeds, zeal in a surface, charity, faith, and trust in God, and such like Christian virtues. Fourth, fourthly, what gracious deliverances, deliverance God hath wrought, and what special blessings he hath bestowed upon them, who are his true and zealous servants. Fifthly, apply these things to thine own heart, and read not these chapters as matters of historical discourse, but as if they were so many letters and epistles sent down from God out of heaven to, to you. For whosoever is written is written for our learning. Whatsoever is written is written for our learning. Romans 15, 4. Sixthly, read them, therefore, with that reverence as if God himself stood by and spoke these words to thee, to excite thee to those virtues, to dissuade thee from those vices. 
assuring thyself that such sins as thou readest there be found in thee without repentance, the like plague shall fall upon thee. But if thou, if thou dost practice like the, the like piety and virtuous deeds, the like blessings shall come to thee and thine. <coughs> in a word, apply all that thou readest in Holy Scriptures to one of these two heady heads chiefly, either to conform thy faith or to increase thy repentance. For, as Sustine et Abstein, Baron Forbear was the epitome of a good philosopher's life. So, crede et recipisca, believe and repent, is the whole sum of a true Christian's profession. Or we could say trust and obey. One chapter thus reads with understanding and meditated with application will better feed and comfort thy soul than five read and run over without marking their scope or sense or making any of them to thine own self. If in this manner thou shalt read three chapters every day, one in the morning, another at noon, and a third at night, reading so many psalms instead of a chapter, thou shalt read over all the canonical scriptures in a year, except six chapters, which thou mayest add to the duties in the last day of the year. The reading of the Bible, in order, will help thee better to understand both the history and scope of the Holy Scriptures. And as for the Apocrypha, being but penned by man's spirit, thou mayest read them at thy pleasure, but believe them only so far as they agree with the canonical scriptures, which is uh, un, which is edited and edited by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Keep in mind, this is 1611. All the Bibles back then had apocryphas in them because the Episcopal Church was publishing the Apocrypha. But it may be thou will say that thy business will not permit thee so much time as to read every morning a chapter, etc. O man, remember that thy life is but short, and that all thy business is but for the use of this short life. But salvation or damnation is everlasting. Rise up, therefore, every morning, by so much time, the earlier. Defraud thy foggy flesh of so much sleep, but rob not thy soul of her food, nor God of his service. Serve the Almighty duly, whilst thou hast time and health. Having thus read thy chapter, as thou art about to pray, remember that God is a God of holiness, Exodus twenty six thirty six. Where if He warns us by re repeating so often, "Be thee holy, for I am holy." Be ye holy, for I am holy. Leviticus twenty one forty four, nineteen two and twenty seven. And when He devoureth with with a sudden fire Nadab and Abihu for offering to Him strange incense with strange fire, Leviticus ten two. Like these nowadays, who offer prayers from hearts fraught with the fire of lust and malice would give no other reason of his judgment than this. I will be sanctified in them that come near me. Leviticus 10.3 As if he should have said, if I cannot be sanctified by them who are my servants in serving me with that holiness, that they should, I will be sanctified on them by confounding them with my just judgments, which their lewdness deserves. God cannot abide any willful uncleanness or sin in them who serve him. Deuteronomy 23.14 Deuteronomy 23, 13, and 14. For the, God thy, for the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee, and to give thee thine enemies before thee. Therefore, the host shall be holy. So far, and Job said, Job 11, 13, and 14, If thou wilt prepare thine heart, and stretch out thine hands toward God to pray, if iniquity shall be in thy hand, put it far away from thee, and let no wickedness dwell in thy tabernacle. For us, Esai says, if there be uncleanness in, my, in our hands, that is, any sin whereof we have not repented, 
though we stretch out our hands unto him and make many prayers, our Lord will hide his eyes from us and will not hear us. Hear our prayers, Isaiah 115. Therefore, before thou prayest, let God see thy heart is sorrowful for thy sin, and that thy mind is resolved through the assistance of his grace to amend thy faults. And then, having washed thyself and adorned thy body with apparel, which beseem, beseemeth thy calling in the image of God which thou hearest, shut thine chamber door and kneel down on thy bedside or some other convenient place, and in reverent manner lifting up thy heart, together with thy hands and eyes, as in the presence of God who seeth the inward intention of the soul. Offer up to God from the altar of a contrite heart thy prayer as a morning sacrifice through the meditation of Christ. In these, or in like words. And I'm going to stop there. Uh, boy, this is great stuff. Just a chapter. You can do a chapter. What is it, five minutes, ten minutes? Pray a little bit. Pray a little bit throughout the day. If you got sin, confess your sins and then pray. You can do that. Anyway, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this very edifying word. Cause us to, the first thing we do when we get up is to meditate on you and your precious salvation. Cause us to meditate on you and pray to you and thank you every day. To pray like Jesus told us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Follow that pattern, Lord. Cause us to study your word and put it in our heart that we may not sin against you. Help us, Lord, for we are weak. Our flesh is weak and we do things which we hate. Help us, Lord, through Christ your Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.